for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, I miss sports. Three words that we've heard so many people say the past month, right? So when it came to examining why we miss them so, I knew exactly who to call. Longtime Bay Area journalist and author Joan Ryan, whose new book, Intangibles, happens to examine just that. It's Friday, April 10th. Well, Joan, it is always wonderful to talk to you. Before we get into things today, how is everyone in your family doing during this really scary time? Everybody's doing really well. I'm proud of all of us, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all of my friends and my family, and you know, everybody's pretty much following protocol. And how about you and Nicole? Good. Yeah, we're we're doing the same. Other than annoying the crap out of each other and our dog, we're just hanging out at home, <laughs> enjoying getting to see each other. Well, that's what a lot of people are talking about, right, Joan? That there's going to be a lot of babies made right now and also a lot of divorces because people are having to see each other more so than they have in years. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, luckily, and I'm sure it's the same with you too, you know, Barry and I, you know, of course, we've been married, I don't know how many years now, 32, something <laughs> like that. This time together has actually been great, you know, because we're so comfortable and there's a part of me and, it's, you know, I hope people won't take this the wrong way, but there's a part of me that's going to miss this. I love the slowing down. I love not running off to this meeting and that dinner obligation and, you know, just sort of really spending time reading the paper, having conversations, cooking dinner, you know, and I'm still working a lot. But, you know, if I put in four good hours, I'm good. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you. You were talking about reading the paper, and that's just what I was doing last week, which spurred this conversation, because you wrote a column for The Chronicle, Life in a Pandemic, Why We Miss Sports So Much. And this was the part that really hooked me, Joan, when you said this, the shutdown of sports will hurt more than we think. I wouldn't have said this a few years ago. Before I spent the better part of a decade researching a book about team chemistry, I now understand that the bond we feel with our sports teams can be as strong as the bond with family and friends. And I was pretty surprised by that, Joan, that you wouldn't have said, even after all of your years covering sports, that the shutdown of sports will hurt more than we think. So I'd love to dive into your process of discovering that. Where did, where did that process begin? Well, I started looking at team chemistry actually when I went to the 20th reunion of the 1989 Giants, and and that was like my team. I had recently moved to San Francisco, and I moved from Florida, and they didn't have any baseball teams. They didn't have any really professional teams except for in football. And so when I came out in this, this you know, sort of junk drawer of a team, you know, the late 80s team that in 1989 went to the World Series, as we all know, and it was the Earthquake Series. but I just fell hard for that team. And I was fascinated by how diverse that team was. You would look at that team of characters and you'd say, oh my God, you know, this clubhouse is going to just shatter into shards. And instead, of course, it was the opposite. And, And they really pulled together. And when I went to that 20th reunion, and I'm walking through, and of course, it's all these middle-aged guys, you know, some with some guts, you know, some of them, <laughs> yeah. you know, look like they could still leg out a slow grounder. They were hugging each other. You could tell they still loved each other. I mean, they literally loved each other. And they were talking about team chemistry. When I was driving home, I was thinking about, you know, Moneyball and all the analytics, even 
you know, in 2009, you know, there was a lot of that. And I thought, you know, I get the analytics. I loved Moneyball. I thought, boy, those guys had something. And my intuition was that it helped them win. It helped them get to the World Series. So thus started this, you know, now 10-year obsession, really, with figuring out, well, what is that something? Does it even exist? And if it exists, what is it? So that then led to tons and tons and tons of research. So one of the things that I read a lot about was who we are as human beings going back to caveman days, right? And, you know, one of the core human behaviors is tribalism. Our brains are so much larger than they should be for how large our bodies are, because mostly in nature, you know, the brains are sort of fairly proportionate to, you know, the size of your body. And so our brains over 3 million years kept growing, growing, growing. And the assumption is, as mine certainly was, was it was built up with all this intellectual, you know, wiring. <laughs> right. And in truth, it's social wiring. That's what made our brains grow so big because we need tribes to survive. So we have been so hardwired to seek out tribes, to long for tribes. You know, we need each other literally to survive. And I was looking up that, you know, in our country, 30, more than 37 million people live alone. So for a lot of people, they have to find tribes outside their own households. And for a lot of people, as we know, you know, people go crazy for their sports teams. You know, they're wearing the colors. They've got whole rooms dedicated to their sports teams. When you step back and look at it, you think it's kind of puzzling, if not kind of ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, attached to these people we really have never even met. And they keep changing, but we get to belong to something and we really feel that passionate. Certainly for me, and I love baseball, and when it's baseball season, which lasts forever, every night I get to sit down and there those guys are for me. They're right, my, my TV is my window, you know, and I look out my window and there they are. And I get attached to these guys and I am attached to the history and they do feel something in me, you know, and I've got lots of friends and I've got family. <clears throat> and I think about the people who really don't have those separate tribes, as a lot of us do, that sports is their tribe. And now they can't visit with them every night. You know, they're not listening to Crook and Kite. They don't hear those voices that... Ah, kind of make you just breathe and sit and feel, I mean, truly connected to something that's larger than yourself. Now, you talk about a lot of this in your new book, Intangibles, Unlocking the Science and Soul of Team Chemistry, that you were talking about. Uh, and I found it so interesting, as you mentioned in it, that you chose baseball to focus on because it is kind of the most unlikely of connected sports, as it were, because... Guys are kind of isolated on the field. So why baseball? That's what I had to ask myself. <laughs> why am I choosing baseball? And and what I realized was, I mean, per, first, that's what I know best. But also, I thought, you know, a lot of businesses 
talk about team chemistry. I mean, any kind of team. Of course, it doesn't have to be sports. I mean, even our families, you know, there's team chemistry. So I thought, well, if there's team chemistry in business, then sports is the most like business than any sport. And what I mean is like most businesses, you know, you're sitting in your cubicle or, you know, you have your own assignment and that each person's assignment, the work they're doing, then contributes to the overall productivity of the team. And that's baseball too. You know, obviously in football and basketball, we see exactly how they rely on each other. You know, somebody has to block for you. Somebody has to set up the play for you. And and in baseball, it really seems like an individual sport that they just play together, but it's all individual. So if I could show that team chemistry existed in baseball, then it really would exist for almost any group of people with a shared quest and shared purpose. I saw that you dedicated the book to Mike Kruko, Joan. How come? I did, and he doesn't know it yet. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to send him a book. I get my actual book because it doesn't publish until April 28th. And I'm getting my actual books pretty soon. And he gets the first one. And I'm going to send him the first one. Well, I dedicate it to Mike Kruko. And there was no question that that's who I always had in mind. Number one, he was on that 89 team. And he was at that 89 reunion. So we go back a long, long way. And when I think about team chemistry, I see his face. You know, he embodies everything that team chemistry is. And in the book, I identify seven archetype personality slash characters that I have observed that every great team chemistry team has. And he's all seven. (laughs) He's what I call a super carrier of chemistry that he walks into a clubhouse, the energy in the clubhouse changes. People lift their game because of people like Mike Kruko. And, you know, we see it in our own lives, you know, at a dinner party, you know, that person walks in the room and you just feel the energy shift. And it's just more fun. There's something we feel funnier or we feel, it just has that effect on on people. And it's a rare thing. He was, so much of the impetus for me to even be thinking about it. And, you know, little did he know that over the 10 years, you know, he was sort of that guide for me as I kept to figure this out and read more research and interview more people. And he was that constant for me. Any advice while we're without our tribes right now, be it our friends and family or our giants or A's or warriors? Any advice for getting through this difficult time? Well, you know, I was thinking about people who work remotely just in general, but I think about all of us in our own little homes and we've got our laptops and, you know, we're trying to connect with people, whether it's work or family, but in general, I'm thinking about work because that's what a lot of us are doing remotely. And I just think that we may come out of this more connected with each other than we were before, even though that seems super counterintuitive. Because when we're in a workplace, we're often, you know, kind of take each other for granted a little bit. You know, we sort of brush up against people because of this task or that task. You know, we're sitting around a conference table and it's all of us 
together, but nobody individually. And I think working remotely, you know, our faces are front and center on laptops in front of us and we see everybody else. And I do think, you know, with the right kind of leadership that sort of encourages the, first of all, like you said to me, as soon as we got on this, you know, how is your family? And to touch base on a personal level, because we're all going through this horror together, that in itself pulls people together, but also it allows us to really know who they are and to show, yes, I care about you. And I hear from you that you care about me as a person, not just as this, you know, entity at work that accomplishes some task. So I think with the right kind of leadership, you know, who sets that tone on these remote connections in businesses, I think it's an opportunity, really, to build team chemistry among people, even among families. Like, you know, I don't get to see my siblings very often. You know, most of them are in Florida and one is in Chicago. And we send texts and that sort of thing. It would never have occurred to us before this happened. To learn how to use Zoom, <laughs> get on and see each other. And it has made all the difference. Obviously, there's silver linings to everything. And in some weird way, I think, you know, this can really bring a lot of us closer together and come out of these with deeper relationships. I'm right there with you. And I have had more face-to-face, even though it's been over-the-phone conversations with friends and family, like you mentioned, the past month than I have in years. So... We'll leave things on that note. Joan, cannot wait to read the new book in its entirety. Congratulations, and thanks for stopping by today. Thanks so much, Kate. Enjoyed it. For those of you interested in Joan's latest book, Intangibles, Unlocking the Science and Soul of Team Chemistry, you can pre-order it now at bookpassage.com or bookshop.org. And if you missed Joan's article in The Chronicle, Life in a Pandemic, Why We Miss Sports So Much, that's linked in the description notes of today's podcast. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update, we'll learn the story of the high school girl the Warriors selected way back in the 1969 NBA draft and then actually made space for here in San Francisco. It is a wild story that we'll discuss with the Chronicles' Scott Osler. We'll delve into the thriving world of esports. What is all the fuss about, huh? They have been growing like crazy the last few years and now... Well, now may be their moment with, well, no other live sports to watch. And on our next show, we'll discuss how four great 49ers went from draft day question marks to the NFL's all-decade team with Niners beat writer Matt Barrows. As always, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to rate us, review, subscribe. All of that really does keep us going here at the Athletic Podcast Network. For all of us here at The Update, thanks to Joan for stopping by. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. I'm Kate Scott. Have a good and safe weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Monday.